Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. I want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast live from the Amigo Provisions Company studios. We are part of the Believe in Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like and rate and review our podcast. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. This is Porter Hayes, and beside me is Jacob Davis, and we are also brought to you by Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting seasons, everything from NBA, college, and esports. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, and make sure to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Jacob, fresh off vacation. I mean, very fresh off vacation. Um, hope you got to enjoy it other than the UConn game, of course. But, look, we'll, uh, we'll start with just what, what a tournament run it was. Two weeks ago, let's be honest, we didn't see this team advancing past Illinois. For the, I mean, there, it was a 50-50 game, what we said. So for them to make it to the Sweet 16, going up against the buzzsaw, you look at the past three years, you run into a buzzsaw against Baylor, then you ran into Duke, now you run into UConn. You're running into these juggernauts. When it comes to this type of the tournament or this point of the tournament, you look at the three things that are in the, the common denominator. It's the inside. You just run into the inside game that you had no – answer for when it comes to UConn, and you've seen what they've done to Gonzaga. So it's not like they, you know, I was looking at their schedule, Jacob. They won the Phil Knight Invitational. Yep. They beat Allen. Let me let's see if I didn't know where I had this written down, but they beat Bama by 20. They yep. beat uh, Creighton. They've beaten all these teams, and they were Marquette. beating them by 20 points. Now, they split yeah. with Marquette and split with Creighton, but – I can't even remember where I put that piece of paper where I wrote those scores down. But th- looking at the game and what I said when it come to who do you want, St. Mary's or UConn, I was like, well, maybe, you know, UConn because of the inside game because how they've been with the guards. But then you realize just how dominant they were on the inside. I quickly regretted that decision. Yeah, they – Arkansas, man – it was really a feel-good story, especially with how they ended the season. Like six games of their last nine were losses. Uh, you win one game in the SEC tournament, you're thinking, man, if we can just get through Illinois, I'll, I'll call it a day. And then you get number one, Kansas. And and obviously you didn't have uh, Bill Self there on the sideline, which, you know, I don't know how much that, that goes into it. But, you know, Arkansas beat a number one uh, seeded team for the second straight season, which is – Absolutely incredible. Something that Arkansas uh, Arkansas hasn't done before and uh, that something that hasn't been done in the uh, NCAA tournament since uh, Butler did it back in 2011. So Arkansas was on the side of history there, and you just thought, okay, that was going to be the confidence booster. They get Arkansas over the hump, maybe get to the Elite Eight again. 
and they just weren't there. And and Sonogo, man, that guy was eating the lunch. The other guy that was seven foot two, uh, he he did pretty much anything that he wanted to do. And that's where Arkansas missed a little bit on the physicality side of things. And you, you just think, oh, we just needed that one guy, that one guy. That one guy was probably Trevin Brazil. Yeah. And and that's I think that's where, you know, Musselman may, you know, he had some good size with Makai and Mikel and Jalen and and Brazil, and you just couldn't keep that one dominant force healthy enough. So maybe next year you bring back some guys that are healthy, uh, some vital options there. Maybe you get a surprise return or two, uh, or you get some transfers coming in. Uh, you know you're going to need a veteran guard that's kind of like J.D. Note, a guy that can close. Maybe a forward like a Mude or Jalen Tate uh, some, or a Justin Smith type of impact player. It's like there's just so many. There, there's pieces that you're thinking, okay, if we had just one, one guy right here or one guy right there, Arkansas's bad team. But, man, but- it, it, uh, this year was a lot of what could have been. Uh, but, you know, I will say a successful season despite how the regular season ended. Yeah, and they've always got that slasher. You look at Graham, you you look at Tate, you look at, you know, the guys that they've been able to – Brazil, I mean, before he got yeah. hurt. You know, you, Council, look at what Council's done. You know, it, it's just you knew when we've talked about this, they somehow figured out the, their free throw shooting. Council, I mean, carried them at the free throw line. But it's like you didn't have that three-point threat. And we said in the yep. tournament, you, you get down against a team like UConn – if you don't have that three-point threat that can, you can start trading those threes for twos or you hit a couple of threes that gets you back in the game, you're going to quickly fall behind. And especially if you're a drive and, and throw it up. I mean, that's just how I think, you know, there's no really easy layups unless on a fast break. But, you know, you go up and throw it up and try to draw a foul, you're pretty much just looking for the foul first and then hoping the ball goes in. You know, you need to get to the point to where you know that you need a slasher, you need a scores, you need a three-point threat. You need some physical big guys that can score and withhold. I mean, because, you, like I said, look at Baylor, Duke, Pinchero, Baylor, and then this year with, you know, UConn. You're going to have to have some guys down low to be able to bang and and score at will because that's a huge difference. So the good thing is, the bright side is, you got good key components coming back. It's not going to be a situation where you're going to turn over 11 or 12 guys and you're going to have one returning starter. You're going to have a lot of guys come back that can possibly help you out. And I know Anthony Black threw out a cryptic little tweet saying, you know, year one, which here's the deal. It's like you they have the ability now to call. Mm-hmm. Hey, where do you see me? They have that ability to kind of look into the future and see, and you never know. And you don't know how many international guys. You don't know how many G League guys. You don't know what certain teams are looking for, and he could go in there like, hey, look, man, you're mid, mid-second-round mid type of talent what you were thinking this year, and he could come back. You don't know. Just like Nick Smith Jr. I mean, of course, I think he's going, but he even said, well, how do you know I'm not coming back? What if – he doesn't feel he's ready where he's at in his rehab or where he's at with his health that I'm ready to go to the NBA because guys now, they look at Moses Moody. Do you do you want to go to, even if you go first or second round, do you want to go live in the G League life? Do you want to go do these things? And now with this elite league, you know, kids going out of high school and they can go into that 
the other G League or whatever they call it. There's just so many more options when it comes to not just coming out of college anymore. So nothing is for certain. I mean, I know it's probably 95, 97% sure that Nick and Anthony are going, but you just never know what their draft stock is on what they're looking for each year. Yeah, man, I wish them the best of luck because those guys, I mean, you you really could see at times where you think about the Florida and the Georgia game where Anthony and and, and Ricky and, and uh, Nick were just playing off each other, and they were playing so well together. And then there were times where it was just miscombobulated. I mean, there was just – there was just issues there with the flow of the offense. And, and there, you know, if, if you take everything back and, and you see everybody healthy again and, and going into the next season, maybe hypothetically speaking, like maybe you see them come back. Like what if they come back? Like, and they just surprise everybody. And you see the international guys. Like I know there's one guy that's, that's from Greece and he's supposed to be like the next big Greek freak guy. Uh, and then you had, you know, Brandon Miller going at five and then Nick Smith going anywhere between six and 10, Anthony Black going any, anywhere between six and 12. So, and, and then I think you got Ricky Council. I think he's anywhere between pick 35 to 47, something like that. And then Jordan Walsh, I think he only came up in one uh, mock draft too. So there, there could be chances here where these guys, you know, they see where they're at and, and, and they do come back. And that's what's crazy about it. Like, okay, you lose uh, you, your two McDonald's All-Americans, you return a Walsh, and a guy that really came into his own towards the end of the season, a guy that's physical, a guy that's not afraid of contact, and a guy that really has good body control uh, when it's near the basket. Uh, I really admire his, uh, his uh, close-to-the-basket game. I know there was a couple of baskets there in the Kansas game where it almost blew a couple of – or he did blow a couple of layups, but – he hit that dagger three. Like maybe he can become a guy in the muscleman system. We've seen a, a couple of players come in and develop throughout time. What if Jordan Walsh does decide to come back and develops his three game? He can already play elite defense and be close to the basket. If he can develop that three shot, Arkansas could become a trendy pick to to maybe make another run in the NCAA tournament. And another thing, along with muscleman, you know, the head coach. He's coached every different league. He knows what it's about. You also got another guy on the staff and Ronnie Brewer who's been in the league. He knows what the process is like. He knows what certain teams are looking for. He knows what to expect. And if you've got two guys who are straight shooters, all right, you're not ready or this is what you need to do to get to that point, and you see, look at Jalen Williams, look at Moses Moody, you look at uh, Isaiah Joe, you know, getting to the point where – you know, it didn't really quite work out for Isaiah at Philly, but look at how he's doing it in Oklahoma City. Look at Jalen Williams. I mean, dude's a charge machine. You get somebody that you – what's going to separate yourself? You know, everybody in the league's good. What are you going to do to separate yourself? And look what – Jalen Williams was one of them. He's a hustle guy, but he's having the most success because he is a hustle guy, and he does, and he's getting more opportunities. Now he's mm-hmm. working on his offense, and he's one of the – this leading scores. I mean, that's the thing. Like he's really proven his time at Oklahoma city. That's all it takes is you look at these guys jumps and that's what you're telling the Jordan Walsh. That's what you're probably telling Ricky council. Hey, look, you're great, but you can be even better. We want to get you from second round to first round. Do you want to be a first round draft pick next year? Or do you want to try to go grind it out in the league? And that's where the NIL comes in. What if we can get you a little bit of money to, 
stay in Fayetteville, play one more year and get you some money that just enough to get you to stay. And then in return, you're going to go from a second round draft pick to a first round draft pick. Thank you, JB Hunt <laughs> and yeah. that family. Like they are totally like, mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't say indebted, but they have spent so much money in the basketball program. And that's, what's great with, with the, is it AIC? Is that what it's called? Uh, the NIL fund that they, yeah, it's, the yeah, family has. I think it's what yeah. it's flagship is what it's called because you got to go through the flagship, the one Razorback flagship. Yeah, but I know but, what you're talking about. In AIC. Yeah. yeah. So they're so, so the hunt family, uh, I mean, they, they have spent a lot of good money through that. And, and, and Hunter, you're a check. He'll tell you too, like, you know, but, uh, man, I really, it's the one do, Arkansas really NIL. Like what they're doing. Because JD Note was was the first guy to sign with them, yeah. Uh, and then you know you keep on funneling that money in there, get, and then let these guys develop. I really want to see maybe what Ricky Council can do uh, in another year in the system if he decides to come back. Think think about the big guys. Like you remember seeing where Jalen Williams was his freshman year compared to his sophomore season. When I remember. Uh, last year, last January, uh, and he started do, uh, Jalen Williams started going on that double double streak. And I said, This guy, if he continues to develop right now in December and January, he's going to end up being drafted. And people were calling me crazy. I said, He's probably going to be maybe a late, to, uh, late first, early second, ended up being a very, very early second round pick. And he kept on developing. He kept on developing. What if the Mikhail and Makai Mitchell twins come back? and they continue to develop. What if Jalen Graham learns to play defense? His offensive skills are great. What if he learns to play defense and develop through this muscleman system instead of transferring? What about the Joseph Pinions? What about the Darian Fords? What about the Barry Dunning? Like, there's a lot of key pieces that I think maybe Arkansas was just a year away. Maybe maybe that could have been it. We, we thought maybe having three McDonald's All-Americans was going to put Arkansas over the top. But you develop these guys, keep them in the system. You've got Devo coming back. There, there's no denying Devo's going to be back for his uh, his senior year. There's no. He's got two that. more years though. He's he's got two more years. Oh, he's got two more years because yes. he has the COVID year. That's exactly. right. Exactly. But you know that guy, he's developed through the system. JD Note's developed through the system. Uh, you talked about Stanley Amude. He developed through the system. Like there's a lineage of guys here under Musselman, Isaiah Joe, Mason Jones. Like there's just this timeline of players that have exceeded expectations under Eric Musselman, and what's next? Who's the next guy to take that step? If you could get a guy, and I was thinking about this today. If you look at Jalen, and he, I mean, he was your charge machine, and he could get you some points. But if you get a guy like Jalen Williams or Kamani Johnson, but could get you 15, 17 a game, I mean, average. That yeah. is the ultimate weapon. I mean, if, if I could pick anything, if I could pick anything, because you're always going to have your guard play. That's just how Musselman is when he recruits and he gets the guys. You you, you look at Barry Dunning. You look at uh, Nick Smith Jr., Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, you know, Darian Ford, and then the opinion. But if you you get a guy like Kamani Johnson, say a 6'8", 6'9", version, or even like the McKay, you know, the, the Mitchell Twins, but they can average you 15 to 20 points a game. That would That is the missing piece, in my opinion, between Arkansas getting into the Sweet 16, getting to, you know, 
that. And, and Jamie said we need a game-changing guard with Killer Instinct. You've had two of those this year, but, you know, or forward and guard with Nick Smith Jr. But he got hurt. You know, that was your J.D. Note. That was your Moses Moody and Isaiah Joe. If he would have stayed healthy full year, you would have had that. But you, when you look at let, – let's look at the past three years again, like I said in the first of the show. What do you want? You want another guard or you want to keep getting bodied? You need somebody who you can bang down low because you've been blitzed. I mean, you got – you did good against Gonzaga and, and Drew Timmy, and you, you shut them down. And, and oh, the other one that ended up going to um, – Oklahoma City. Holmgren. You know, Holmgren. So, you need something like that. That's what the difference between a Sweet 16 and Elite 8 and making it to that Final Four. And, of course, catching fire. You look at the Final Four this year. It's one of the craziest Final Fours, and I think UConn will end up cakewalking. You, you, you know, I mean, that's just the way how they're playing. The way they've destroyed people and the way they have just run through the tournament, you know, you never know. And the next question is Brazil coming back. I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, he's got two more years left. So, I mean, you you know, just depends on his rehab and if he wants to come back. But I think he should. I think he would – you know, you think a healthy Brazil council, then you got Devo, then you've got Dunning-Walsh, and then, who you know, you got Bayfall coming in. And then yeah. who you ever you blocker. got coming in, blocker coming in. Yeah. You never know what they're going to develop into. But if you, if I could pick anything and you can go, if you could pick anything, I want that 6'8", 6'9", Kamani Johnson, one that's going to get you your boards but can also get you 15, I mean even 13. Say 13, 15 points a game. But I think that's what will get you to the, the that final four point. I mean, yes, yeah. they need a three-point shooter desperately. But I'm saying when you come to tournament time, I think that's been the Achilles heel of this team the last three years is that down low guy that you can play defense, but yet you can score a lot as well. Yeah. I I really want both, to be honest with you. I think that's what he needs. I think think if Musselman wants to be – if he wants to break through that elite eight ceiling, he needs to go get a couple of three-point shooters. Uh, and, and then maybe one or two big men. Maybe if you keep the Mitchell twins and and then you maybe bring in a uh, a guy out of the portal. Like there's one guy that uh, somebody DM'd me about yesterday. Another Utah Valley State center. If you remember last year, as far as Amik, who I mean I was in talks with him. I mean heavily. He was he was all Razorback and until he wasn't like he ended up going to Texas state. Like he was going to visit Arkansas. Uh, and then I guess things just fell apart into going to Texas tech, Texas tech wasn't as great as they were supposed to. Now they have another guy that's averaging like, like 16 and 11, uh, six eleven uh, center. So, I mean, you, you, you get a, a guy like that, maybe like 230 to 250 pounds, a guy that can bang around like the Sonogo from Yukon or, or the, Paolo Ranchero from mm-hmm. from Duke, or just name a guy that was on the Baylor national championship team, like, or even get you a Drew Timmy, a guy that's that has a great offensive game and, and can and gives hard on every single possession. But then you know what we haven't seen under Eric Musselman since the first year was that three point ball, the deadly three, 
because Arkansas could play really good three-point defense, and they were leading the country in it at one point uh, his first year. But they were also leading the country in three-point shooting that year, too, in Mason and Isaiah. Uh, I think Arkansas really needs to think about getting a big-time uh, or maybe one or two big-time guards that can shoot the three, maybe get a big man, and maybe a veteran point guard to yeah. go along with Maiden Block. Well, and, and there, there's rumblings, you know, you know how message board talk is and people talking that, that there's a guy out west that uh, could possibly enter the portal. Uh, you know, guy out there at Oregon who is from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just, you know, looking, heard the name in the rumblings and heard the name and, you know, who might and the wish list. You know, everybody's got a wish list. And Arkansas, you see the names every time they who they've contacted in the transfer portal. And it's like you see the list. But, you know, he had a, a, a three-game stretch against UConn, Michigan State, and Villanova where he scored 18, 17, and 13 and had nine boards, nine boards, and seven boards. So you're look at that what I was talking about the 18 and 9 17 9 and 13 and 7 yeah. you can get that and he's at 7 foot that would be huge because we're talking about this three point threat right what yeah. opens up a three point threat more than a guy that's the inside where you pitch it down you kick it out i, I tell you Absolutely. what this offseason i would have pinion out on three point line shooting 1000 shots a day and 500 of them he's getting hit Contact, boost that kid's confidence when he shoots it, no matter somebody's running at him. I would have somebody, three guys just running loops, running at him, running at him, running at him, and firing, hitting him, touching him, doing anything, everything to throw him off. Make him an elite shooter, and then you add a guy like where if, like I said, if, you know, if he decides to enter or what's going on, but that would be another name that you get a guy that can get you those type of numbers – that would be lethal with all the guard play. And you don't need someone like uh, Pinion to give you 15 points. You get that kid to get you six to nine points, two or three threes a game, that is what you would need. You're talking about a role player, somebody who could get you two to three threes a game, clutch. Yeah. that's That would make your, you know, that would get you to where yeah. you're a legit contender for the national championship. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people – I've watched a little bit of baseball, and who he reminds me of is Moses Kingsley. Yep. Moses wasn't a guy that's going to get you a double-double every single night, but what he did was he would score. He became a lethal lethal guy down low, but he also got you your rebounds. That's what he was as a freshman and sophomore, and then as a junior and senior, he was he developed into a 16- to 18-point-a-game score, just like you need it. And, and I think if Bayfall comes in and maybe adds a little bit of weight to his frame, which obviously he has a lot, he's like 6'10", 6'11", uh, you, you get a guy like that, and I think you're going to be ultra successful to go along with the guys that you're bringing back. You have a, like, uh, I don't know, you get like four or five uh, post men, and you can stretch the floor. Think about a Trevin Brazil, play power forward, but he's a stretch forward. You have Bayfall who can also shoot the ball mid-range, but also be a guy, him and Brazil, be guys that can protect the rim at 6'10", 6'11". And then, I mean, that that's basketball. Then you don't have to depend on the ISO game as much. You can maybe run a few more sets. But the way Musselman runs his offense and runs his team, he does love ISO. And I like ISO, too, because I think it's fun to watch guys that uh, that 
have been very well trained, very good ball handlers, and and be able to go and ISO like that. And, I, I think it's fun to watch. But I really think, yeah, you have like a Brazil or a Fall or a, one of the Mitchells down low uh, to spread the court out. And like you said, I really think uh, maybe have an opinion out there, uh, and, and I think that's a really really good uh, scenario there for Arkansas to be successful going into next year. When you look at Bay Fall, you average sixteen points. Nine boards. Shot 82.5% from the free throw line. You talk about another thing where the struggles down the stretch of that free throw shooting. He's got all of it. Now, again, there's a difference between high school and SEC ball, but we've seen freshmen come in. You get them in the right program and the right strength and conditioning to get these guys ready, you never know. But, I mean, you just look at – it's going to be a different team next year because there's going to be more coming back that's still in this system. There's not going to be that turnover. And, of course, you're probably going to lose three or four of your best scores, but Arkansas's done that ever since Musselman's been the coach. He's, it's yep. no, it's nothing new to him. I think it's going to be more of a refreshing breath of fresh air for him knowing what he's got coming back next year opposed to – trying to rebuild a whole staff. Now, I know he's going to go to the portal and stuff. So, again, I mean, you've only got room for so many people. And we've seen, you're looking at the people who didn't really touch the floor, they're progressing. So, in the day and age of playing time and transfer portal and leaving, some of these guys might be a year away and next year's that year. So, let you know, it might be time for them to step up. But, you know, like Musselman said the other day, offseason starts now. And I think you need to look yourself in the mirror. What can we do to get stronger? Even if you're guards, get stronger. You've got six, seven guys. What can you do to get them stronger, get them down low, and or even if they drive the basket, get to where you can finish, get those and ones. If your free throw shooting's getting better and you got that under control, you finally got things figured out. And I think that was just the – to me, the most heartbreaking thing about them running into UConn, it was like, okay, they finally got things figured out, and then they run into UConn. I mean, a team that's yeah. just blitzing through the whole tournament. And I know a lot of people, you know, with Musselman taking his shirt off and, and you know, <clears throat> Devo Davis's reaction afterwards, they don't realize the turmoil this team went through with losing Nick Smith Jr., losing Brazil. They totally forgot about Devo stepping away from the team for a short time. And all these pieces start to come back together other than Brazil. Of course, he was out for the season, and they finally get things together. And everything, and I think that had a lot to play in that UConn game. I think everything came out after that Kansas game, and they were just depleted in that short turnaround between the Kansas and UConn game. Yeah. The, a lot of the emotions. You've seen it, and that's, that's one of the things. You were so proud and happy for Devo to sit there and be like, we finally got it together. And then, like I said, watching how things played out, I think they were just emotionally drained. And it had nothing to do with Kansas. It had to do with the win over Kansas, and then everything compiled. And that's what everybody – I think that's what's so irritating to me when it comes to social media. is like, well, y'all just beat Kansas, and y'all act like it was a Super Bowl. No. They went to the Sweet 16 after – People were writing them off, even including us at times, were saying you're not you might not make the tournament. You got to get to this point because the last three games of your season is a freaking juggernaut. You might go to the NIT. Everybody, I mean, 
unless you're just inside the team and you just believed in them, not once. I don't think there was hardly anybody that didn't doubt this team at some point this year. And if you say you didn't, then you're, you're lying to yourself. Because everybody at one point this year doubted this team. They did, and I did. Like, when Arkansas lost those three games against uh, Alabama and Tennessee, and, I mean, when they got whooped by Tennessee, I thought there were some issues. And then they come home, and then just and something just didn't seem right against Kentucky. And then you, and then you got back on the track against Auburn, and you lose another 13-point lead against A&M in the SEC tournament. I thought that they were not going to – there was no way they were going to advance. And then – when you saw the raw emotion of what Devontae Davis was was displaying, like that guy, and I, I, I've been wanting to say it for for a week now because I've been on vacation, but I, I told my father-in-law uh, while I was sitting there watching it, it was like he was playing out of his mind, like he was having an out-of-body basketball type of experience. I've never seen anything like that before. Like he was around the ball the whole time. Like he put his heart and soul and all this energy into winning that game because he wanted to, he was single-handedly putting his team on his back. And if, if anybody was doubting Devo before then, you can't doubt him now because he is a team first guy and he's going to take whatever it, what, whatever it is to go and hit that next level to, he, he wants to see and, and, and get Arkansas to a final four and, and heaven help him. Like I want to see him, be able to help lead this team to the next level to reach and break that ceiling of the elite eight under Eric Musselman. I want to see Devo be able to do that. And and if he does have two more years here, so be it. I want to see him do it. I think he has the characteristics of a great leader and a guy that loves his teammates and loves the state of Arkansas. And I think the fans are going to enjoy it. I think he's going to live it. I think Arkansas can, as long as he's there, Arkansas is going to have a chance in March. Well, we'll touch on more on that after the break. We're going to give a word to our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll touch on more of the basketball season, what to look forward to next year, and even touch on uh, Arkansas's series loss to LSU. At Fordham Lee Distillery, our bourbons look as amazing as they taste. A delicious, high rye bourbon aged over six years. Fordham Lee is a company founded on the principles of great folks and spirits worth remembering. Look for Fordham Lee brands at Walk-Ons, Liquor World, Busters, and soon everywhere in Northwest Arkansas that serves fine spirits. Fordham Lee Bourbon says please drink responsibly. 21 means 21. Fordham Lee Distillery, blended and bottled in Middletown, Maryland. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. 
They are located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. Give a shout out to our friends over at Arkansas Brewing Company at 201 South 1st Street in Ozark, Arkansas. And you heard our partners at Fordham Lee Distillery. You can find the Fordham Lee Bourbon at Arkansas Brewing Company. So go down there, see Chris and Destiny Brockett at 201 First Street, Ozark, Arkansas, for some good times. And they always have karaoke, lunch specials, Thursday, Wednesday, so Thursday through Saturday, Sunday. And then they're always having night specials, dinner specials, prime rib, karaoke, band, music, and with uh, – the days getting longer, they're going to start doing bag tournaments and more outdoor stuff with uh, the things in downtown Ozark. So go down there and check them out. Jacob, tell them about our friends at Amigo Provisions Company. Yeah, if you want to look good throwing bago, go get you a Frio Tech shirt, raise it back camo uh, from AmigoProvisions.com. Uh, uh, it is a life, uh, lightweight shirt. And they're just as cool as they are comfortable. I wore mine while I was on vacation. That's why I don't have it on. Get that back. I'm going to wear that sweet baby. Uh, and it's, it's going to be the talk, the tailgate. If uh, if you wear it on opening day of uh, baseball season, first week of uh, football season, or wherever you want to wear it, it's a soft, lightweight material. Button-down collar, side and underarm ventilation to keep you cool. No shrink, fast drying, officially licensed Arkansas Razorback pattern. AmigoProvisions.com. And, man, looking at the shirt, man, it, it is really cool to see how, if you're looking at the shirt and you're looking at the camo, how they blend in the art state of Arkansas. They got it green and red, and then they've got the Razorback blended in in the red and how it all comes oh, yeah. together. It's really, really cool. Have yet to get my stuff. I've got it ordered. It's coming in, but it's just the fact that it's different. It's one of them, and they have different – schools that they promote so it's really cool that they have included you know the arkansas uh logo and the state of arkansas in their camo so it's yeah. really cool if you go to like he said amigoprovisions.com and as soon as it comes up you'll see right there the arkansas camo it is licensed uh, merchandise so you go in there and get you and they got everything up to a 3xl when it comes to the shirts and I've even seen they just now released some shorts. I don't know if it's branded with the, with the college yet, but they have just got some uh, shorts in re- just recently. It's called the Milagro um, short. So I'm, I've been checking out a pair of those. And it's affordable. It's not, you know, you're not going to have to pay 60, 70 bucks for the, the, the shorts. Uh, the hats run you about 35, 40. The shirts may run you about 60 to 70 because they're made out of their grade A material. But, but all, anyways, back to the basketball. And, you know, if you could pick, say, we think Anthony Black's leaving, Nick Smith Jr.'s leaving. Of course, you got, you, you know, Jalen Graham might leave. Uh, Kamani Johnson's leaving, of course, because he's a senior. But if you could have two of those guys, well, I mean, they say even throw Kamani in there because he does say he has eligibility. Which two would you want to come back and build around the team that what you need to win? Uh, first off, I'm taking Makai Mitchell because I like his dog. The guy likes to fight for loose balls. 
He's uh, He really developed his offensive game throughout the season. At first, he was more of a rebound block guy, but as the as the season came, uh, his offensive game really came on. I really think that he would be a very vital uh, piece to next year's team. And I would also, I would also, uh, if I could get another guy back, I would take Jalen Graham, just because of his offensive skill set. Now I know I've said that earlier. It just he he just has such a mentality of scoring the ball. Like he doesn't. There's sometimes he'll pass it back out if it, if he doesn't see what he likes or or doesn't like what he sees, and then he'll pass it back out. But then there's sometimes where if he knows he has a mismatch, he's going. And he's he was almost automatic during the month of February. February He was like 35 of 40 shooting from the field in the month of February. Like That's excellent shooting. And in Arkansas, they didn't have a, a hard time of – of uh, making baskets close to the uh, to the rim this year because they were like nearly fifty percent shooting from the from the two, uh, they just struggled from three. But I really like if I could have those two guys back at the post. Uh, I really think you could do, uh, add some guys uh, in the guards out of the transfer portal. But yeah, I think uh, those two guys would add a lot to uh, this team going forward. I'm going to go chalk. Uh, I'm going Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr. Okay, because just and it's the easy thing to say, but mine is the fact that I would love to see a full year healthy those guys in an offseason in Eric Musselman's system. And we're talking about these guys always peak because you're trying to get this team together and gel by January or February. You look at this year, it happened in March. I would love to play rewind on this season and, and, and give Nick Smith Jr. and Anthony Black a full healthy season those two guards going out there and reading each other, knowing where each one of them is going to be, including a guy like Blocker next year, including a guy like Fall coming in, and you have a council if he stays. You know, like in Jordan Walsh, you've got the guys, what we say, and what you get, you can go get some of these other dogs in the portal that can give you a year. But I, I think it would just be so much fun to see Black and Smith Jr., in a full year healthy, running that one and two together. And just what we've seen early in the year with Lob, Lobville, you know, just seeing oh, what this could be, just already the instant nostalgia of what we could have had with this team if they would have. And I know we've said that so many years with so many sports when it comes to the Razorback athletics of what if, what if we could have had this. I think this could be go down as one, even though they made it to the Sweet 16. What if Trevor and Brazil and Nick Smith Jr. were healthy for the full year? What could have this team have been? I, I think it will go yeah. down as one of those what ifs. Yeah. And I really thought and I had Arkansas in the final four. Like I know that's kind of crazy to say, but I really didn't see UConn coming on uh, with fire like they did. But I had Arkansas in the final four facing Texas. And, you know, Texas lost earlier. I thought Arkansas and Texas, when they were completely healthy and, and they had their – full staff of coaches. I thought Arkansas and Texas were the two of the best teams in the country. And I will still go by that. And they, uh, Texas lost today and Arkansas, you know, they lost against UConn and, and it, it just kind of, you're just like, man, what could have been? Cause Texas could also be like the, what could have been too. But yeah, I really thought that Arkansas uh, was close this year at, at times. I thought, that they were doing the best with what, with the hand they had dealt when they won those five games in a row in conference to get back to 500. 
I said, maybe this team's getting it together. Maybe, uh, you know, if Nick doesn't come back, maybe they're going to be all right. And I know that I knew that having Nick or Trevin be completely healthy would change the dynamic of the team. But I thought Arkansas was trying was was actually hitting hitting uh, a groove there uh, midseason. And and you know it, it is what what could have been. And we talked about you know what could have been with a pop fly, what could have been with uh, KJ Jefferson would have stayed healthy in football. What I mean, so what many if Stoner wouldn't have fumbled the ball? Oh God. Which one? All right, off, off subject. Which one's worse? Which one hurt worse? The pop fly and and let's leave. I know it's easy to say the it's easy to say the baseball one because it was the national championship game that would have won the national championship game. But to me, and I guess it's my age, that Stoner fumble hurt me to the core because of just what it could have led to. And the fact that Tennessee ended up going on to the national championship. And then, of course, that next week, you lose by a field goal to Mississippi State. I don't know. That's just me. And, and again, could be just because of my age. But I think that the, the – and, and you could even throw the Reggie Fish punt fumble, you know, in there. The top three would be, you know, the, the pop fly, the fumble, and the stoner fumble. But to me, I just there's something about that fumble that hurt worse than the pop fly did. Yeah. So I I did not get to witness the Sterner fumble. I was I was seven, so I really wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for you, that. Uh, thanks I know for that. that. Makes you probably feel real old, even though we're like ten years apart. But still, I was I was seven at the time, and you know, looking back and you know, knowing what you know about losing to Mississippi State, like what if Arkansas had beaten Tennessee? They probably don't go on the road and lose to Mississippi State the next week. Yeah, they probably run through the through the regular season undefeated and, and go to the SEC championship game. And I don't know uh, who I, I mean, guess they would have rematched Tennessee in the SEC championship game that year. Am I correct? Yeah, uh, like nineteen ninety eight. I would. I don't know how that would have all played out if they lost. And I don't know if Tennessee lost a game. After Arkansas, or they'd already lost. I don't know what their schedule was. I want to say they were both undefeated, but um, okay. I would I would say so because that was before the you know that was the B not well that was even before the BCS era, right? That was the year before no, the they BCS. They were right on the outside because Michigan won the first BCS BCS era. Yeah. So well, I'm trying to think if that would have been the BCS because did Michigan win it '98? Or was that Michigan did not win in a '98. Michigan and Arkansas met in the Citrus Bowl that year. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm gonna look it up real quick while we're while we're just talking. But like, yeah, the what ifs. Yeah. Like, if if Arkansas had actually caught that fumble and Reggie Fish not fumbled it, uh, you're up like what was it seven or eight at the time, and you still probably didn't play for the national championship that year. Because Arkansas was already the number eight team in the country, and and Florida is number four, so you're probably playing for a BCS bowl game that season. Uh, well, and then you even got the scoop and score at Ohio State. I mean, you could throw that one yeah. in there, and it's not just and and again another one that didn't win you a national championship. But what would have it done the trajectory of the program? That's that's again what I look at. Right. Would, would, would Bobby Petrino, would that the whole fiasco with that been swept under the rug if he would have won that game? You don't know. You can't sit there 100% sure if he would have won that game against 
Ohio State and won the Sugar Bowl, d- does that kind of even get reported? Does that even become a story or not a story, but they kept he kept his job? You you never know when it comes to that. No. And, I mean, really, I I think if you lie to your boss, I think that was a, a deal there for, for Jeff Long to get out of it. Because who knows? Did Bobby Petrino even like uh, – or did Jeff Long even like Bobby Petrino when he hired him? Or did he just feel like, oh, Bobby Petrino just fell on my lap. I better hire him or I'm going to hire Jim Grove from Wake Forest. That, does it matter if you're winning though? But, but the thing is, does it matter if you're winning national? If you're winning bowl games and you're bringing millions in? Look, I mean, I know we've beat this like a uh, it was a like a dead horse. But look at the Alabama situation. If if Brandon Miller wasn't the person that he was on the team that they were, would what would have happened to him? If they right. lived in another state, what would have happened to him? We see this. Look at LSU. Look how long it took Will Wade to finally get gone. Look at all the stuff that's going on at Kansas. And, you know, it's crazy the things that the NCAA picks and chooses on what they're going to punish and who they're going to punish. So you never know if the things change what's going to happen. Right. So uh, 1998-1999 So it would have been the 99, what they call okay. the 99. That would have been, So Tennessee won it so, the 98 championship. Yeah, so in the ninety nine in, in January ninety nine. Yeah, beat beat Tennessee uh that year. But yeah, what if what if Arkansas goes through that and and instead of losing and, and having to play Michigan in, in the Citrus Bowl, Arkansas could have been there playing against Florida State. And I mean Florida State at that time was simply incredible under Bobby Bowden. Like they they were I mean, Arkansas probably wouldn't have matched up well with them. Just because the ACC was just incredible at the, or no, was that the Big East? Florida State was still in the Big East at that point. Like Florida State was just in a league of their own in that time, and I just don't think Arkansas would have probably matched up well with them. But you think about the baseball pop fly, and and you're basically one out. You were it was a it was a two two count. It was a foul ball on the right. <laughs> Oh man, right field line, and and you just drop it right in between all three of you. And I hate to re, re uh, remember that, just because you know I was laying on the floor, like that was our moment. And then the very next pitch was a was a home run <laughs> that yeah. scored and ended up Oregon State winning that game. But Arkansas just seems to have the worst luck when it comes to sports and what if moments. Uh, I mean, I don't know about Clemson. I know you you probably know a little bit more about the Clemson what ifs, but there's just been a lot of what ifs uh, among all the sports in Arkansas uh, athletics history. Like you think about the '60s, uh, Arkansas they they won the '64 national championship, but they could have won two or three more. Like Mike Irwin uh, said in our podcast the other day, he said Arkansas probably could have won three in the '60s. Yeah, because they didn't. The they 70s. they done it so differently. You they did not. They awarded a national championship for the bowl games. So, I mean, yeah. and then also you look at, we were looking at the BCS era, and I had it completely backwards. Michigan won at 97, and Tennessee won the very first BCS national championship. Okay. So, I had it flip-flopped. But in that year, in 97, they awarded Nebraska the coaches' poll national championship where Michigan got the AP national championship. So, you had multiple people that were claiming. So, we're talking about right. claiming, and they're – I know this is going to piss a lot of people off, but 
There was a lot of people that said that Arkansas claimed the national championship, but there's a lot of people who dispute that. So I don't know. I know nobody in, in, in Arkansas would dare really dispute that, but I know a, a, a buddy of mine, I'm not going to name his name because don't, he don't want the pitchforks, but he wrote a thesis paper in college on why Arkansas did not win the 1964 national championship. So that banner hanging behind hmm. you, there, there has been some doubt, and, and it's nothing to do with did Arkansas deserve to win it, blah, blah, blah. It's they chose it in a different manner. Clemson won it in 81. Georgia won it in 80. You know, Clemson ended up beating Nebraska in, in 81 to give them their first national championship. And then, of course, they ended up winning um, two more in 16 and 18. I really don't have a what if because I've been able to witness national championships, you know, when it comes to the football yeah. side of things. I mean, I guess the only thing, and I'm glad in a way because, I mean, and this is crazy to even think about. As horrible as Clemson was as a team, if it wasn't been, if it wouldn't have been for their rival South Carolina, as much as painfully it makes me say this, they would have been in the Final Four. They would have been in the College Football Playoff. They would have been, got drubbed because they were a horrible offensive team. So I guess in a way, I and then again painfully staken for me to say is I'd much rather lose thirty-one to thirty my rival than go get embarrassed in the first round of the college football playoff you'd be like a Michigan or whoever just gets blown the doors blown off of right. them in the in the college football playoff yeah so what if you know while we're on the topic of what ifs I know we we planned on this being a basketball only podcast but while we're on the topics of what ifs you know what if Arkansas had won that uh the sugar ball and that scoop and score was like all Seth Amherst had to do was scoop it and go. Like, you were two yards away, and then the very next play, or was it two plays later, Through the interception. Ryan Mallett rolls yep. to his right and throws a pick. Pick six. Over, yeah. uh, throws, it, throws it like the Brett Favre classic sidearm throw across your body, and then it gets picked. And and you, you think about some of the other things, like the, uh, the whole what if you didn't lose uh, in, in – uh, what if you kept that 14-0 lead at LSU uh, in 2011 uh, and, and as you were the number three team in the country? Like, I know you had a, a teammate die that week and, and and you're playing through a lot of, like, just uh, just a lot of feelings and emotions. You were going out to win that for, for Garrett Ekman. Uh, man, man, you, you were so close to, to, to that. And then you think about 2012 with – with the fallout there, and then what if Brett Bielema had beaten Alabama yep. in twenty fourteen? What if you know? What if he had figured it out sooner? Arkansas probably would be in a different place, and you probably would have never hired Chad Morris. What if? What if <laughs> Gus Malzahn hold the whole thing uh, and and the Gus Malzahn Houston nut stuff? What if? Uh, what if you know that kind of stuff we, we, happened? We had a guy I on who was with USA Today that does those what if deals and just goes on and on uh, through a Twitter thread of what if what if this thing actually happened, how would it affect the world of college football as we know it? Like, that. that's what's crazy. We, we, we had a guest on, and, and I don't know if you remember it or not, but he threw out the what if. What if the Springdale Five didn't? None of them went to Arkansas. Ben Cleveland, because, wasn't it? Or no, was it wasn't Ben another, Cleveland. Another it, was a, it was one of the coaches. He, he coaches up in northwest Arkansas. He went to Notre Dame. Okay. But there was a uh, point in yeah. time where 
Mustang was either going to Texas or Notre Dame. I mean, the whole Springdale Five, there was a chance for those guys to none of them went to Arkansas. There was a, there was a possibility. And I, you know, just folklore and tale of the fact that Malzahn, his job at Arkansas rode on that. So you want to talk about a what if? What if the Springdale Five never comes to Arkansas? Where, would would guess Malzahn be in Orlando, Florida right now? Would would he be the coach? Would he went to Auburn? Would he have been a head coach of Arkansas and then flamed out and never got it? What if Mitch Mustang would have never went to Arkansas? And and would that have led to? Darren McFadden not coming. You you never know. You're talking about these rabbit holes. Well, McFadden you can go was down. already there, but McFadden you know. was a was a sophomore that year. Mustang was a freshman. Yeah. So, but you know what if what if the Wild Hog wasn't invented and Darren McFadden mm-hmm. didn't flourish into that beast that he was? Yep. He could have been like a Ladamian Tomlinson, but it's just the fact. Yeah. That he was that good though that they knew it was coming. He still couldn't stop him. So I mean, I don't think that yeah. would have happened. But it's still you just think about the what ifs, and then you start. It's almost like you're peeling an onion. You're like, oh, this layer. Oh, there's another what if. There's another one. You could just go through history of Arkansas, and that's just touching the football. Now, what about basketball? You know, what if what if Tyus Etney wouldn't have never made that layup against Missouri? And UCLA ends up beating Arkansas in the 95. I mean, that's the thing. You yeah. look at it. UCLA went coast to coast, and Tyus Edney laid the ball up at the last second to even get them to the point to where right. they played Arkansas. So, you know, at, I guess that's, like I said, again, where my age comes in, I can remember a lot more things that happened that th- those what-ifs that we I remember seeing. Yeah. I've only – really the only memories that I have, like, is – you know, going back to the Matt Jones days, that's as early, probably as early as I remember, like, seeing things. Like, I, I, I've been able to watch, thankfully, we've had War Machine. Oh, uh, we had him on, on, like, episode six of uh, the Hog Talk podcast. Obviously, yeah, we haven't really talked about it. This is episode 300, mm-hmm. milestone cool. episode, over 250,000 downloads uh, for our podcast, too. So. What's crazy is before I even started doing the Hog Talk, he was my very first interview for Tyler Butler in South Carolina. He was my very first article I wrote oh, really? was War Machine. I wrote an article about him, interviewed him, and talked to him, and that was the very first thing. And then I wrote about you know my son's uh, track and field meet in Greenwood. And then after that, that's when I started joining joining the podcast. But it's crazy how yeah. all that correlates. Yeah, that was it. Was crazy like how uh, yeah War Machine was on, and, and we talked a lot of history. Uh, and how he, he's gone through it. We talked about some what-ifs with him. I think that was episode six. Episode 10 was Ben Cleveland of the Springdale Five, former Arkansas tight end. Uh, that he was the guy that won the uh, – or helped Arkansas win their last game against Alabama. Yep. Uh, we talked to Chuck Barrett a couple of years ago. Uh, man, there's there's so many guests <laughs> we've had on through the years, like five five years. You've had Sarah Spain on. Yep. Uh, episode like McGee. one – 105 you've had you've had marty or not marty but uh yeah ryan mcgee hey and and speaking of my buddy ryan he still they still show and i get text almost at least once a month they still have the ozark hillbilly helmet on the set yeah because when we had him on i promised him a book i'd buy a book and i sent him a hillbilly uh ozark hillbilly football helmet and they still run it on the set of the Wilderness Lodge. I think that's it was funny. Our a guy Aaron Weatherford. He uh he does the eight man football 
thread of the state, yeah. and they done the history of Arkansas, and they're like, who's got the coolest uh, high school football helmet? And I said, well, I don't have mine. Ryan McGee up in Charlotte has mine. And they're like, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> I'm like, we, can, we can't argue against that. If your, hillbilly, no. if your high school helmet is on the set of Marty and McGee, I think I've won that match. Yeah, I mean, we've got we've had so many guys on through the years. I can't remember if I think I had a chance to have Darren McFadden on, and it ended up following through because at the time when uh, he was available, I was at work, so I was like, "Dag gummit, D Mac." <laughs> you know, we've we've had a lot of good guests on through the years, and and we've really like we wouldn't have the success that we've had if it wasn't for our fans. Like we've we finally we were almost at that three hundred or that, that thirty thousand threshold on on followers here on Facebook. I think we're closing on seven thousand on Twitter. Like there's just it, it's been a lot of hard work and and uh, you know if if there's anybody watching like that are content creators, I've been all over the place. I've written, I've done podcasting, we're doing live shows. Like stay with it. Like like if you want to achieve something, you stay with it. Porter, Porter is, is, I mean, he can he can vouch for that. I mean, I can vouch for it. Like, if you want something, continue to work hard for it. And, I mean, episode 300 of the Hog Talk podcast, that's something that's incredible. Like, when I started this back in 2019, and even when I was the hog pin in 2018, I never would have thought that this would be still running uh, as, as to, to where it has become. Like now we are, I mean, people look for us for news. Like we, I mean, that's, that's really remarkable. We cover every single sport. I don't Porter Porter <clears throat> covers like he covers the heck out of some women's sports. And and that's where I think we set apart is from, from other folks that, that, that cover the Razorbacks is Arkansas. Like we don't just cover the football, baseball and, and basketball, which there's nothing wrong with that. But we cover it all, and I think we do a pretty good job of it. And Porter, you you've done a really good job, and I appreciate you staying on with me since the early days and and keeping this thing going. Well, it's it's just a passion. You talk about the women's sports. I've, I've had a passion since I was little, since I was a you know a teenager when when it come to the women's side. And and when I really joined, I didn't think that I would have the ability to cover. And, and reach when it come to the women. Because I'm telling you, you know, four years ago when I started this, you know, you we would make a post about a women's sport, and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? That, that, that's not the football team. That's not the basketball team. Nobody cares about women's sports. And so the I want to shout out it, – it's all to the fans because the fans have turned a corner on them. And I know you still have the, the knuckleheads that blah, blah, blah. You're always going to have it. You know, that's just the way it is. We've accepted it, you know. But you get that with the men's side, too. But it's just the fact that we've come so far when it comes to the coverage that they get. But we always can do more when it comes to the women's side. But I, I've stayed true to it. And I know that from my part of it, I do a lot. I'm probably 70-30 when it comes to the women's to the men's because that's my passion and that's what I want to Address. We even have a women's show now. The only school in the SEC to have a women's podcast about their programs. So, you know, it's just, it grows, but the attention's grown. The fans have grown. I mean, they just set records. The second and third most attended game at the softball was, to, you know, yesterday and today. Against, That's what I was about to say. You know, like the, the basketball. Yes, they made it to the WNIT, but they're still getting three to 4,000. I know that this year was a disappointment with the talent 
and what they had going to the WNIT when they were a tournament team. But the fans have every right. That's And I want to say this. That's why I've kept quiet about it because I know it is a disappointment on what you expected. But to me, I want the disappointment because that shows people care. So I'm, you know, when I first got into this, I tried to fight every freaking battle when everybody would say something negative. And when you you look at it from the outside looking in, you're like, they wouldn't be talking about it if they didn't care. So they care. They have expectations. The softball team has expectations. The soccer team has expectations. All these, the golf team, the track and field team, they all have expectations now, and I'm here for it. I want the negativity, and I want the people to be disappointed because that means they care about the program, and we're not going to stop. You know, I've got to go to SEC tournaments. I was one game away from getting to go to the college worlds, you know, the softball college world series, you know, and, and that's just what we've been able to do here with this platform, but it's, it's been a fun ride and we're not going to stop anytime soon. We had the best month we've ever had here at the hog talk, but I I do want to, I I do want to bury the hatchet on something and this is no dig about anything. And this is not to bring any old shit up, excuse my language, but we, we won't put that on the radio. Um, I, I want to bury the hatchet on something. We, we left somebody out, and I, I want to bring it up. And it was, it, it, it was no dig at you. It's nothing. This is nothing that whatever. But, you know, we, we had a guy leave, Ty Hudson leave, parted on, on – we had a disagreement on things. We had we, we had a split. That's the way you and, – and you fans, you can, you can take how you, you, you wish with it on – what you want and how you want to perceive it. That's fine. But I, I, I can't sit here and say that where we are today and where things are, if we didn't mention he was a part of the show, he helped you build it. So, I mean, I do want to correct that. I do want to say that Ty and you created this. Y'all wrote it. Y'all brought me in. And, and we had a part. I'm not going to hash up why, who, what, when, where. That's, that, that's not the point of it. The point of it is to we, we, we can't not talk about the history of this show and not bring him up because he was a part of it. <clears throat> now we went our own separate ways and we done him. He's doing his own thing now. That was years ago. So I feel like we can bring it up and we can talk about it. So, But he does deserve, no matter what our feelings are, and we could pass each other in the street and not say a word to each other. But I, I just think that it's important that we have to, as grown adults, mentioned that he was a part of the show and he helped build this Absolutely. thing. So, and again, Jacob, it's nothing. It was, it's not a jab or, or, or to say because you didn't include him in the tweet to make the, it's just the fact that I think it's only right because if it wasn't for y'all, I wouldn't be here. So I got to sit there and, and throw acknowledgement where it's due. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, man, it's, it's been a fun ride. Like, man, Ty was a heck. He was a heck of a guy. He could, he could get a, I called him Mr. Entertainment because <laughs> that guy, he could control a show like no other. Man, he was, he was, he was special. He was, he is a special guy. And I know he's yeah. doing well at his show. Yeah. Uh, with what he's doing with hog. I think he's still, is he, I don't know if he's still affiliated with Hogville or not, but I think he's, he's done a good job. I've kept up with him over the years, but yeah, he's, he's solid. Like, and then the thing is though, dude. you, you yeah, had nothing, had you had nothing to do with that part of the history of it because you were, you had moved away and it was, <clears throat> with me and, and, and Kyle and Cabo, but it's like I said, I even with wh- whoever it was 
And I know there was a lot of people who were upset with the issue, and I apologize to that. I apologize to all of the people that were <clears throat> bothered by it. We had a, a, a business-like approach to it, and I wasn't going – we weren't at the, at, at the point at that time that you could sit there and not go back and forth, and nothing would have ever been resolved. But I think a couple years now we can sit there and say that, hey, we, we do have knowledge that he was, in fact, a yeah. part of the show, and, and, and he did help get to this point to where it is. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, episode 300 of the Hog Talk podcast – Guys, if you really do enjoy our show, uh, I do invite you to go on and, and uh, rate, subscribe, and review our podcast, too. Uh, you can do that on all Apple, or Apple, Spotify, wherever you do listen to us. You can catch us there or live anytime on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and any other uh, social media platform that you can think of, too. We are there. We, uh, I, I know we don't. Oh, we don't take. We don't do Instagram. So <laughs> we do uh, a little bit now. <laughs> well, we I, do I, a little bit. We do, but, but uh, I want to say on that, we it, go over to our Instagram page because I do a lot of sponsor sharing on our Instagram, promoting our okay. sponsors on the Instagram. So listen, you know, that's another thing with our sponsors. Like we are really involved with our sponsors. We don't just advertise them on our shows. We are heavily involved in building relationships with our sponsors. So when we post things about our sponsors and who, especially with me and the ones in Ozark, I'm born and raised in Ozark. I'm an Ozark guy. So I love to promote my hometown businesses who have helped me. So therefore, Hillbilly Realty, Arkansas Brewing Company, the law offices, I go into their establishments. We talk all the time. And with the, the things we do for the women's show, with the Fordham Lee Distillery and you know, hot works. I go into the establishments and I really want to bring more people into those businesses. It's very personal to me when we bring somebody on, cause I want to be a part of like their family. It's no, this is no sunshine pumping. I mean, I know we have to make money and we have to have advertising and stuff like that, but it means a lot more to me. I said that last week on the women's show, which tomorrow we'll have Dorian craft. She, uh, she does a lot of UCA stuff, did some stuff down in Little Rock and we'll have her on at seven 30 tomorrow to, Talk about her moving, coming back to Arkansas and being more of a part of the, you know, SEC network when the the softball team and stuff. So I'm really excited to have her back on. But, yes, when you see things that we post about our sponsors, we really want to promote them. We really want people, like with Amigos, and, and going to their website and buying the Razorback gear. So I know at times it might get uh, where you see something every single day from all of our sponsors, but yet – I want to push it. I want to get it out there, and hopefully people take that and you go buy some products from them. You go in their stores. That's what we're all about, and that's what I try to set us apart differently from other people opposed to just, just reading a commercial on, and then no dig on them. It's just I want to be different than just reading an ad on, on, on a, a podcast or just pushing it in to plug them a like and share. I, I want to be a part of their family too. Yeah, Absolutely. <clears throat> Porter, I don't know if you got anything else to say, but man, I've been up since uh, <laughs> I got home at four thirty last night. I think I'm about ready to go crash for the All night. Right. So, man, I really appreciate every single uh, person that's been a fan since day one. Yes, we grew to ten thousand really quick. We grew to uh, thirty thousand quicker than I thought we ever could have, and we've hit two hundred fifty thousand dollars on a podcast that I didn't know uh, would uh, would come this far. So, anyways, I do appreciate every single person that has watched this show and listen to it uh, via podcast. So, yeah, y'all just keep on tuning in. Thank you so much, Porter, man. 
thank you for being a great co-host and it's been awesome and, and being a great partner man you've uh you've been you've been incredible uh incredible guy i appreciate you man. and uh, all you've done for this i appreciate you being able to you know you allowing me you know to come on and be on full time and see where this thing flourishes. but on to 300 more episodes. So, But that will do it for this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast, brought to you by Arkansas Brewing Company and Bet Online. And again, you can catch us on the Believe Network and Buzz Radio Networks. We will catch you tomorrow night at 7.30. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.